improve their communication skills so they can help more people and help people more. I'm your host Dr Martin Harvey, I'm a chiropractor and I'm an expert in communicating the value of chiropractic. Today on Under the Influence I'm going to be doing a bookend episode for the last episode. So the last episode I went through all of the essentials on a first visit. Today we're going to bookend that with what are the essentials for a second visit so that you communicate value at the highest level possible, create an environment for people to see their health from a higher level. So we use the framework of people seeing things at a pain level of health awareness where their health, their view of health is really just about how they feel day to day. And uh, then we're looking to help people see things from at least a level higher than that, what we might think of as a preventative level of health awareness, which is where we recognise that sometimes you can have problems with your health, problems with the way that your body functions that don't necessarily show up as symptoms. And this level of health awareness, if you address those issues, you minimise the chance of having problems down the line. And then we also give people the opportunity to see things from a higher level again, what we might think of as a performance or wellness level of health um, awareness, which recognises that how your body functions impacts everything that you do. The better your body works, the better you're able to do life. And that helping your body works better helps you do the things that you have to do better, helps you do the things that you love to do better and helps you do the things that make you you better. So that's really kind of the big picture of what we're trying to do. We're trying to create that perspective in terms of the value of chiropractic and combined with that we're also looking to connect with people so that they know we care, they know that we're credible with, and they have that sort of softer human side of the experience dialed in. So what we're going to be, what we set up last time was the steps on a first step, a first visit to make that happen. Today we're going to be talking about the follow through, the book ending of that on the second visit. So before we go to that, a couple of little announcements. The first one is that the Communication to Improve Patient Care workshop is coming up. It's in partnership with the UCA. It's on November 21st and 24th, so two separate sessions. Uh, their evening time on UK time. If you want to satisfy the GCC direction to do learning with others regarding communication, then you'd need to be on those calls live. If you just want the content and you either live elsewhere or you live in the UK and you don't need to satisfy that direction, then you can do it via the recordings and get exactly the same content. So that's that. The link is in the show notes. Uh, also, the uh, Retention Recipe 2.0 is live, so thank you for those of you who have signed up. I appreciate your positive comments. I'm getting a lot of really good feedback, which I will share with you guys as we go. Um, it's a, an online workshop. There's 33 lessons over seven hours of video content. It's all based on state-of-the-art influence strategies that help you be able to create an experience in the first 12 visits that's effective in helping people see the value of 
ongoing care. It's ethical because it puts people first and we just want to give them choices and leave the choices to them. And because this is kind of a low stress way of practicing, it's super enjoyable to use. So you can check it out via the link in the show notes also. So the intention then of this double uh, episode, the last episode where we were talking about the first visit and this visit where we're talking about the second visit, is to really give you a framework that you can use. I am using it to give you a bit of an insight into the structure of the Retention Recipe 2.0. And for some of you, it will make sense to do that. For others, you'll get enough out of this to be able to upgrade your first couple of visits to um, just be able to help more people. So that's really the intention of it. So if we look at the essentials on a second visit, we spoke last time about the idea of people using really two systems of thinking, two systems of decision making. The Kahneman research talks about it as system one, system two. I like the Zoe Chance version where she talks about it as gator thinking and judge thinking. So gator thinking is think, not thick, quick, intuitive uh, sort of thinking. And the judge thinking is the slower, more rational thinking. Um, slow rational thinking is more uh, energy demanding. It, it doesn't feel as comfortable to do. And so we will generally revert to gator thinking for most of what we need to do and just do a judge thinking, analytical thinking for when we absolutely need to. Big decisions like should I have chiropractic care probably use a blend of both. It's really important though that we recognize that if the gator doesn't feel satisfied, it doesn't really matter what the judge says. Said another way, emotion trumps logic. We've got to make people feel emotionally safe and connected, part of our tribe, before the logic even has a chance to motivate them to action. So if we look at the needs that people have on a second visit, we spoke about the needs on the first visit and a lot of that was around they want to be heard and they want to know what's wrong with them. In leading on from that into a second visit, the needs that people have on a second visit is they want to know kind of what's wrong, what's going on here. Can you help me? And specifically, how can you help me? How long is it going to take and how much is it going to cost? So if we break that down and sort of take each of those steps one at a time, the first one, what's wrong? If we want to satisfy the gator brain here, it's really important that we make sure that they know that they were heard on the first visit because it might be later the same day or the next day or a couple of days later. Um, in general, we want the first two visits to be fairly close together so that we're not losing momentum there. They've still got the experience of the first visit kind of fresh in their mind when we get to the second visit. One way that you can very quickly reassure them and reconnect them to that experience is to do just a little recap at the beginning of the second visit. In, and in particular, if you use some of their words. So for instance, if somebody on a first visit when we did the unpacking questions that we spoke about last time, if they said, at its worst, it feels like my head's going to explode and that the limitations for them were uh, they feel like they're a bitch with their partner, then using those language, using those terms again, you get that strong sense that you were truly heard. Whereas if we say it in a 
more technical term, then uh, then it, it loses some of that. So the alternative there, if we were to use kind of healthcare language, somebody says their head's going to explode, we'd say, you know, you described very high level pain with your headaches and the impact on you was that it had a, an effect on your emotional, it made you irritable, we're translating it. Whereas using their words, it's more likely that it connects with the true emotion of it. You described it as feeling like your head's going to explode and yeah, you said that you were a real bitch with your partner. Um, and so the, the point there is their emotional part of their brain is going to feel more connected to you that you really listen to them if you give them a bit of a recap so that they know that they were heard and you use some of their words, some of their language. Second part of satisfying the gator brain with what's wrong is don't make them wrong. So don't say, if they're coming in and they've got a very strong pain level of health awareness, their problem is that they have back pain. Um, we can bridge from there by using two parts of the problem where we can say, so essentially there's two parts to your problem. There's the back pain and there's the underlying imbalance. We certainly don't want to make them wrong by saying, well, the problem really isn't the pain. It's deeper than that. What's going on here is you've got imbalance with the way that your spine's working or subluxation or anything like that. Um, whether that's explicit like that or implicit where we might say, um, so the, you've got back pain, the problem is that you've got subluxations that have done X, Y, Z. So really make sure that we acknowledge that what they perceive the problem is, is the problem. Now, in terms of this what's wrong piece of the puzzle, in terms of satisfying the judge, the analytical part of the brain, it's actually going to be more compelling if they say what they see. So if you're using um, testing that you haven't pre-framed and discussed at the first visit, then you want to pre-frame and discuss it here. So examples of this is if you're reviewing x-rays or you're reviewing a posture scan or an EMG scan, describe briefly, succinctly what normal is and then show them theirs and get them to say it. So get them to judge it in a sense. So say, so this is what it should be, this is yours, how does it look to you? Uh, because when it comes from them, it's much more likely for them to kind of own what the real problem is. Um, also in terms of the what's wrong part of it, it's important that we talk in terms of increasing their perceived value about the impact of their problem in terms of lifestyle value. So in terms of the person that I was just describing in terms of the headache, it's really important that we talk in terms of what we're trying to achieve is let's get you back to not feeling like you've got an exploding head and so that you can be you know, in a good mood with your partner, enjoy your time with your partner. Because when we connect a problem with the, or a solution with the, it helping us do the things that are important to us better, then that's of more value than just solving a problem, if that makes sense. So if we move on to the what's wrong part of it, to the can you help me part of it, in terms of satisfying the gator here, a big part of um, can you help me is creating a sense of authority. So people buy you before they buy your message. And in this sort of scenario, they're really looking for, is this person a credible, authoritative person that I can trust to be able to help me with my health with this problem. And there's a bit of a paradox here where we'll often think that the best way of doing it is to really point to the things that we've done. Look, I've, 
I've got a great reputation for this and you know I've done X and Y and Z and I did this postgraduate training and I'm an expert in this and whatever else. We've also got to be aware that people are, they have a little bit of a antenna for that if it seems too good to be true it probably is and so when we talk in the uh, retention recipe we talk about things like candor and authority and a bunch of other things but the basic core of the paradox is that understatement actually works to position yourself as more authoritative because if you are saying look I've got considerable experience with this uh, and I'm confident that I can help you the truth is that you know we can help probably 80 to 90 percent of people with your sort of findings but there are some people whose bodies haven't read the textbook and don't respond so that understatement actually works better it's also useful using the language of science here um, and or the, and while people are not necessarily scientists, they will certainly be familiar because of the amount of sort of science and healthcare science that's on um, media uh, with the language of it, which is a language of understatement. So you could say, look, the research suggests that generally in this early stage, we're gonna be best doing adjustments really close together. The research suggests that the healing time of the tissues is X, Y, Z. So the language of science is a really important thing in terms of positioning yourself throughout as credible and authoritative. Um, in terms then of can you help me, this, the reality here is that what you want to do is really um, in the what's wrong part, you've built essentially a model of what's going on. In the, to satisfy the judge, you really just need to have what the elements of care are. And so how, and with that, what I really look to do is to just uh, outline a little bit more detail what actually happens with an adjustment. So you might say, look, so what I'm going to recommend we do is adjustments. What an adjustment is, is it's a powerful way of unsticking these essentially stuck subluxated joints and that creates a barrage of neurological information into the spinal cord that helps reset uh, muscle reflexes there, essentially reset the uh, muscle memory, also a barrage of information up into the brain that can help drive uh, change in terms of overall what they talk of as um, integration of information there. It also creates a stretch of some of the soft tissues and you can essentially unpack what is actually happening there. Uh, and then when you're talking exercises, and I would encourage you to include exercises in your care plans, whether you're giving them to them immediately or else, or even if you're, some people prefer to leave it a little while into a care plan to give them, but to, to essentially satisfy that there's that you've considered the various elements of what's going on with them that helps satisfy the judge that the solution matches the problem. When we move on from how long, so just recapping, we've done what's wrong, we've done can you help me, in terms of how long, there's really a couple of strategies that I suggest we use and that are built into the retention recipe approach. One of them is bridging that we've spoken about a number of times on the uh, podcast where essentially we talk about the three phases of care and this satisfies the gator by agreeing with them that the pain part of the problem is the problem and, and there's value in dealing with things at a preventative level and there's value dealing with things at a performance or wellness stage. 
Um, but we can also add to the perceived value, so satisfy the judge part by explaining what the specific individualized value to them of each phase would be. So the, um, the value of doing the initial pain stage of it is that we're going to uh, get the improvement in your spine that we're hopeful will translate into getting rid of that exploding feeling when you're getting the headaches and help you get back to not being a bitch with your partner. And then the second phase is really about dealing with the underlying imbalance that allowed this to happen so we minimise the chance of you being back, feeling like you've got an exploding head and feeling like you're, gonna, you're a bitch with your partner. And then the last stage of it, what often happens in, in terms of that performance phase, often what people notice in uh, the second phase is that as their body works better, as their nervous system is able to run their body better, often people will notice other things improve. And people like you who have busy lives and social lives and have highly demanding jobs often notice that things like energy level and concentration, those sort of things are better, which can help with work, but also help you feel like you've got more energy to do the things with your partner that you like to do on the weekend. That type of thing helps to satisfy the judge that there is value. Um, the other, uh, another uh, strategy that we'd use in terms of the how long part is the schema of soft tissue healing. So schema are where we use an existing understanding that somebody has to flesh out something that can be, that a new concept that might be complex. So if people are coming in to see us with a pain level of health awareness, often their time frame is pretty short. They're expecting to come in once or twice over a week or two and that's it. And then if we're talking to them about dealing with the underlying imbalance of their spine and we're talking about essentially retraining their spinal function, restoring motion, improving posture, all of those sort of things, um, talking in terms of soft tissue healing timeframes that align with the two with the the phases of care can be super helpful. So we might talk about the initial phase of care, the pain part of care, really being driven by muscle healing timeframes, which, depending on their initial findings, you know, maybe anywhere between six and twelve weeks, or perhaps shorter if they had less going on. Second phase of care for most adults, I would be saying, is really driven by ligament healing time frame, which again, for a lot of people, is going to be more than a year, but it could be anywhere between three months and, and two years, depending on their findings. But the schema of soft tissue healing works well because for most people, they understand, well, at least that ligamentous disc type changes are going to take longer than muscles. And a lot of people, because of the predominance of sports as something that, of cultural awareness, there's a cultural conversation around it, there's often quite a sophisticated understanding of it in terms of, well, you know, if somebody did an ACL, well, that's pretty much a year of recovery from that, even in a young elite athlete. Uh, so when we're talking about remodeling of those tissues, we, it is a long process. So schema of soft tissue helps to satisfy the judge and it also satisfies the gator of does this just make sense into is there a match between the solution and the problem so when we get to how much we're essentially here talking about how much in terms of frequency and cost uh, when we're talking about value often it's easy to fall into the trap that it's only about money in reality in terms of real value for most people money is a component but real value is in terms of 
time. Uh, people are often very time poor. Energy, uh, as in there's only so many things people can squeeze into their day. And then the emotional cost. So say, for instance, if you are a mother who your identity is that you're a carer for your children and you put their care above your own, which is a really common perspective that uh, mothers will have, that does it feel self-indulgent to be spending the time, money and energy on, uh, on yourself to do this? So we need to make sure that we are addressing or, or incorporating that sort of understanding when we're talking about how much. So one of, a couple of the key elements that we talk about in the retention recipe is the value of giving people options. So rather than saying what you need is X, Y, Z, there's value in giving people options in terms of frequency. So um, you might offer, look, if, you, if this is a really <clears throat> high priority for you to deal with this as quickly as possible, then I'm going to recommend we do three times a week for X, Y, Z. Uh, whereas if it's like you've got a lot of plate spinning and you need to just balance the need to deal with this with a lot of other things in your life, then we can, we're still likely to get results with twice a week. It's just likely to take longer and may take more visits. Um, the value of giving options is that the literature, particularly stuff that Zoe Chance talks about in her book, Influence is Your Superpower, is giving people options, they tend to see you as more credible and more tr trustworthy. And really interestingly, they kind of own or are more engaged in the process once they have decided because it was their choice rather than something that was imposed on them. Another related thing that we include when we're talking about how much um, and so on is to make sure we're using autonomy statements like I'm going to present options and the choice is completely up to you, whatever works for you. Because autonomy statements are a really powerful way of avoiding what's called reactance. You see, one of the things that can happen, what we're trying to balance here is we're balancing communication strategies to help people see the true value of having chiropractic care. And in that we're focusing, we're getting them to focus on particular parts of their experience and particular parts of what they've told us. So that increases their motivation to act. However, if, we, if they perceive that we're doing that too much and they perceive that we're trying to overly encourage or force them to or we're being too pushy to get them to choose one thing, then that feels unsafe, that feels creepy. And so the gator will kick in and they will, even if it makes sense at a judge level, they will say, oh, yeah, I'm not, I don't think I'll want to do this, or else they will tend to drop out of care quite quickly because it just senses that, oh, that doesn't feel quite right. Whereas we can mitigate that by using autonomy statements. Um, and autonomy statements essentially reiterate to them, it's your choice. I'm presenting what I would recommend. I'm giving you choices. And then what you choose is 100% up to you. So that's a run through of doing a super effective first and second visit. If you'd like some help with it, then check out the Retention Recipe 2.0. Hope you have a great week. Catch you soon. If you like today's episode, then you will love the Retention Recipe 2.0. It's an online 
workshop that is broken into 33 lessons and has over seven hours of content, which will teach you to confidently communicate the value of proactive chiropractic in the first 12 visits. So if we want to have long-term retention, if we want people to stay with us for months, years, and reap the really amazing health benefits that happen with long-term chiropractic care, we need to set the foundation for that in the first 12 visits. So the approaches in the retention recipe 2.0 are based on state-of-the-art influence strategies that are effective, ethical, and they're enjoyable to use. They will help you to have more fun, less stress, and increase your retention, which means more practice growth and less always being on the hunt for new people. Check it out in the link in the show notes.